Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I, I think of it as like the film four effect. If it was on film four, like half nine, I'm channel hopping. I'm going to finish watching it. I have no doubt. You, you can't like look away from sort of the horrors it presents and it presents it very early on and it only gets kind of worse from there. The sight about the sound, the sound in this is incredible. It's very tense. It's very mm. bleak. I mean, we've already said it, it, bodies in the wall. Those would be the IMDb keywords, bodies in the walls, not a rom-com. <laughs> I would not be able to kind of switch it off, but I probably wouldn't want to switch it on in the first place. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Flixwater Podcast. Today I'm joined by George. Hello. Charlotte. Ahoy. And Helen. Oh, hi. And we're going to be talking about Sicario. Thank you as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and to Ben from Rockwood Audio for editing this podcast. Please remember to head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and a glowing review. And also join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod or on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to this episode of FlixWatcher Podcast. Our guests today are Charlotte and George. Over to you, please, George, to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello, uh, I am a freelance film writer. I love covering uh, film festivals. This year did uh, London and, and uh, Venice. And yeah, I just I just really love movies. <laughs> is, that the best time to get, is that the best time to go to Venice when the film festival's on? Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of crowds and uh, heat, probably not. Um, <laughs> uh, but if in terms of like spotting Adam Driver, your possibility <laughs> of uh, seeing him there, then I'd say yes, definitely. It's much higher I guess, when he's there <laughs> yes. at the festival when, than when he's not. Fair enough. And uh, Charlotte, who are you? I am a teacher by day and writer of all things film, book, TV and theatre by night. Wow. How do you find the time? Uh, I don't quite know, really. I used to joke about having a time turner, but that feels kind of like a crass joke these days. That's a Harry Potter reference there, Helen. You yeah, might, I didn't that get might... that. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was explaining to you. But I, I'm genuinely impressed because teachers don't tend to have that much time to do stuff. So it must be that that, that love for all these uh, film and TV stuff that you've dedicated that much time, your spare time to doing it. Yeah, I guess it's kind of finding the balance and they're the things I really love. So I get the chance to kind of pursue it in my free time. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we're talking today about Sicario, which is your choice, Charlotte. Can you tell us, first of all, why you chose it? And then I'll get the, I'll get the timer out. And you've got 60 seconds or less to give us the synopsis. Uh, so why did I pick the film? I saw this film at the Cine World 02. And I think for one thing, if you can remember where you saw a film, it's significant for some reason or another. And with this one, it was a packed audience. Every seat was filled. And I've never felt so tense during a film. The tension in the room kind of permeated. It was incredible. 
And it really stuck with me because I recommended it to a friend and I think I'd missold the film and she's never forgiven me. What did that friend, what was their experience versus... I was like, oh, it's a crime film and stuff. And then the opening sequence (laughs) happened and I was like, oh, dead bodies in the wall. Yeah. Mm -hmm." (laughs) Oh, sorry. You'd you'd taken a friend who you hadn't seen it either. Yeah, yeah. Brand new. I I just heard it was a crime film. Sure. You take them along thinking it's a buddy cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> a rom-com, actually. Well, Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Emily Blunt's characters. Or I'd watch that, yeah. Let's do the timer. So you've got 60 seconds. You ready mm-hmm. to do the synopsis? And the timer starts now. Uh, Emily Blunt plays Kate Mesa. She's really high up in the FBI. And after a huge case goes kind of right, kind of wrong, she comes to the attention of some people higher up who request that she comes and joins them on a mysterious secret mission involving Josh Brolin and Bianco del Toro. And all is... Benicio, apologies. And all is not as it seems. She gets more and more immersed in this world far beyond her control. Very nice. Fair enough. Helen, have you seen this before? I have seen this before. I saw it in Burton. No, where did I see it? I haven't seen it then. Where did I see it? I have seen it in the cinema. But See, I can't that's remember significant. Where. If you can't remember the cinema, then... It's not, yeah. Um, I have seen it before and I was a little a little bit cold on it the first time. Um, so watching it this time round, I, I definitely appreciate it more. I'm not going to say enjoy it because this film is bleak. Like, yeah. is, is he okay? Because this came around the same similar time as Prisoners. And that is also quite dark. Like this film Are you talking is about dark. Denis Villeneuve here? I am. Director. Or Denis Denis. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's a bit lighter these days. He's kind of gone into space and sci-fi and, and seems to be a bit happier. I mean, June's not the light heart romp, is it, though? It's practically a rom-com compared to yeah. this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 the about the sound, the sound in this is incredible. It's very tense. It's very mm. bleak. I mean, we've already said it, it, bodies in the wall. Those would be the IMDb keywords, bodies in the walls, not a (laughs) rom-com. What other films would that bring up? I don't don't know. I mean, this maybe. There's a lot of bodies in those walls. (laughs) You you type that. I want to see if there's any other films that come up with that catchphrase, with that that keyword, bodies in the wall. I mean, every every film I can think of is a massive spoiler for that film. In fact, maybe maybe I won't do that because I don't want to spoil films I may or may not have seen. yeah, so I guess on the small screen experience, you said you actually enjoyed it more, even though the soundscape must have been, I guess, weaker at, on the home on the home screen. Uh, or were you watching it with your headphones and on the laptop? No, I mean I was watching on TV. I think I just kind of got what it was about a bit more, and having sure. seen some of his other films, kind of got it a bit more. And it is a little bit like, what is what the fuck is going on? Like, who 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 are these people? Like, what is she doing there? What is she getting into? Who who is the baddie? Who is the goodie? Oh, they're all bad. They're all it's all really messed up. So I think watching it maybe for the first time, I was a bit like not not really that engaged. What is this film? What's going on? And now as I've matured in life, I've gone back to it and gone, oh yes, it's just about pure evil. <laughs> uh George, you remember where you watched this the first time? Was this the first time you've watched this? 
No, so this is definitely. I think this is the second time I've watched it. Um, yeah. First time I've not seen this in a cinema. Uh, I saw this at home, but probably not long after it sort of came out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I couldn't. The sort of memories of Sicario kind of mixed in with Zero Dark Thirty, and I think they're quite. You know, they're similar. Similar-ish films. I mean, they're certainly they've got sequences that make you think of the same films, but um, but yeah. Uh, I, in terms of watching it at home, I was very conscious of upsetting my neighbours and constantly <laughs> going down on up on the volume on the remote. But I think um, yeah. So this is the second time I've watched it. The first time was in cinema. I can't remember where it was, and I think it's more than likely Pitchhouse Central. Um, and confession here, I, I fell asleep at some point during that screening. And How? When I watched, I, Sorry. I was just tired, just tired. I would just would, would have been tired. And I've been so looking loud. forward to, I would have been looking forward to watching the, I've been looking forward to watching the rest of it to, to kind of piece together what the bits I've missed. And it seems I missed out some key pieces. <laughs> <laughs> or I simply don't remember them. Um, I don't force it much in the cinema. It's just something that does happen. But I remember just loving it. But then I just couldn't keep my eyes open and these things happen and nice warm cinema in the dark it's uh it just happens to you but i mean there's a few things to pull on here i mean everyone talks about this being a denis villeneuve film but like tyler sheridan who has written this film i was just looking at his imdbs like it's actually insane the amount of content he's pulling out at the moment he's, he's writing like, all the yellowstone tv shows at the moment uh hell of high water um oh, hold on one second let me pull it up We've got wind, wind river, river as well yeah wind river um Yes, I mean, at the moment, the Tulsa King, my God, it's just like, and the the Lioness um, Special Ops one, Lioness as well. So he's just actually writing so much content at the moment. And it's it's quite, it's actually quite impressive, (laughs) to be honest. I don't don't know him much, that that much of an actor, as an actor. He was in um, like Party Five as a kid. uh, And also he was in like uh, Hell High Water as well. And he um, appears in Yellowstone as a recurring guest role, and it's filmed in his ranch, which is how he gets loads of money for filming. Ah, uh, smart. He, well, I was just going to say he's got like he's literally writing ten TV shows at the same time, and they're all long episodes, and they're all quite expensive. So uh, yeah, having a ranch, sure, why not? Um, do, do you guys watch any of his other any of the other things he does, or you know, know of him outside of acting in those uh, in those bit pieces he does? I was massively into Yellowstone last year. I watched all of it in one go and the prequel oh, wow. series. Uh, I got really, well, really, really into it. Something. Yeah, you got the Harrison Ford one and then there's the one in the 1800s as well. And are they, are they worth watching? Because I guess people in the UK don't watch them that much, do they? I think it's, it's a bigger thing in the States. They're huge in the States. They, in fact, mm. I don't remember the exact statistics, but their viewing figures when they finally made it onto TV versus streaming recently were insane. Um, and a lot of that kind of writing style is within Sakara is also in Yellowstone. The kind okay. of restricted, the kind of insult heavy. He's really good at an insult is Taylor Sheridan. Um, so what do we make of that? I guess the the intro here is, like you, like you said, Charlotte, your friend maybe didn't uh, forgive you from that, that intro sequence where there's bodies in the walls, there's explosions um, going from really quite quiet and muted understated until like holy shit what the hell's happening in this tv show um i think it's quite that entrance that opening sequence has stuck with me even though i fell asleep at some point <laughs> but that opening sequence and also the car the car crossing the border the cars crossing the border as a slow kind of chase thing happening 
Um, and also just Roger Deakins, man. I, you just, I was just like, you're just watching, you think, wow, who's, who shot this? And then afterwards I was like, yeah, it's Deakins, fine. Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Um, but yeah, the opening sequence, any, any thoughts on that? Oh, brutal. Like, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, re- it really, uh, I can't believe that I had forgotten about it. Uh, but in some ways I'm kind of happy because it was so surprising. It's like so shocking and horrible <laughs> to watch. Um, uh, it, it's a really, you know, sort of explosive way to start a movie. Um, literally. I, I think actually probably, the, yeah, literally, quite literally. Uh, I think it's, I, I would maybe, well, actually I think the, maybe the border crossing is probably the best thing in the movie, the thing that I remember the most. But mm. um, but yeah, one, yeah, great opener. Charlotte, what did your friend say after this? She... Has she re- has she forgiven you yet? Does she trust your recommendations now? Or um, is she burned? We don't really talk anymore, but that's unrelated to Sicario. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh no! <laughs> it's not Sicario's fault. It's a great film. It's John Berthold's fault. John Berthold's <laughs> fault, isn't it? Well, I mean, that's one thing. Does John John Berthold does he ever play a good guy? I was I was, I was thinking he's just not. He's always plays a wrong, doesn't he? He was in this sitcom that got cancelled after like 14 episodes years ago and it was meant to be like the next big thing. I think it's called The Class or something like it. It's about a friend's reunion. And he's right. a lovely man in that. That's probably why it was really cancelled. Really lovely. Like, stayed does with he me. turn bad? Does he turn bad? When's he going to turn bad? Oh, he's good. We don't want that. We can have him like good at the start, but yeah. he's going to turn bad, yeah? That's, that's him, I think you can have him as uh, like a protective force over someone but he's got to be he's got to be happy killing or like just a, <laughs> just a really bad guy uh just through his core um because i didn't remember i didn't remember I, I don't think i fell asleep at this point <laughs> i just stopped saying i fell asleep to it but I, I, I didn't remember john bernthal I, in fact i don't think i knew who he was at this point although i must have seen the walking dead by this point um but, but when he came on the screen this time i was like oh what's going on here he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna do bad. something <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's really surprising as well to see Daniel Kaluuya in this. Like, mm. I, I like, yeah. I this must be like one of his earlier, earliest kind of on-screen film performances. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I know Black Mirror was uh, before this, but um, but yeah, it was in uh, Skins as well, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, when I saw him in this, I was like, oh, another British actor in the film from america and like not a, not a crappy film as well um and then it's this from this to um get out was this, was the next big step yeah and i thought you know watching again I was, I was really looking for his performance in this again because it was early on in his like in the career in his career and you know he he, he steps up i think he does a really good job in this yeah i do wish she was in it more though. Mm. um you know i mean the film i think makes you want to wish that he was in it more because he's like the only real human connection that um, Emmy Blunt's character has. Yeah, that Kate has. Yeah, yes. he's also the most normal person in it as well. <laughs> <laughs> like when he kind of appears on screen, he kind of brings that like normality and reality back to it, whereas the others are just kind of so committed to to what they're doing. And it's just, yeah, they're like, oh yeah, this is this is like a normal normal nice person with nothing nothing bad going on he's just like wants to do his job and look out for Kate and have a few beers at the end of the day that's kind of why I savour this film so much because it's such an unusual thing to have a protagonist who knows nothing and not only that the audience aren't made complicit with dramatic irony we carry on knowing just as much if not less than her 
And it just really plays out because we're desperately grabbing at straws, these little tidbits of information, trying to find out what is really going on and if she, how much danger she's in. Yeah, and even when you think you kind of do know what's going on, you don't really know what's going on because, like, it doesn't really record like reveal its cards properly at the end anyway and when it does you're just like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well that's not the right is it do two wrongs make do all of the wrongs make a right how you know there there isn't it just kind of ends with bleakness and wrong <laughs> yeah yeah i mean on kate's character i think it, i i get I think that my biggest problem with the movie is, and I was jumping ahead to near towards the end now, but is when the kind of movie drops her and she kind of, there's a whole massive set piece towards the end where she's just not in it. Yeah. Um, not in the, either kind of the, the sort of the plot, you don't even see her on screen. And I think that's my, my biggest problem is that she's kind of the audience surrogate for your sort of introduction to this movie. And then, we kind of lose her and and lose what that character means to us. Well, with that, I, I was thinking about that, but that I I thought the same. I was like, you, you haven't seen Kate for a while, but everything. I think all the actions where you don't see Kate all happen in that night, don't they? Yeah, it's a Benicio yeah. del Toro. It kind of switches to Benicio del Toro. Um, His revenge, which is also the plan. Yeah, <laughs> the signed the signed off plan that no one really <laughs> knows about that has been signed off. That. I think that's part of my my kind of like question as well is like, hold on. So the US government via some agency seems to be quite happy with getting Benicio on board so it can go do some killing because that's going to stop the drugs apparently. And Kate's there because there needs to be some some kind of sa- sanctioned patsy. And it's like, okay, fine. I mean... If the- <laughs> she's she's <laughs> literally only there because she is um, an FBI agent. Yeah. And that... that- her presence makes it just about technically legal for yeah. them, for the CIA to kind of carry out those operations. And, and you know, we are meant to kind of fill her loss, I think, in her disappearing. Like, But I don't know. I kind of, I missed Emily Blunt and sort of wish her, we got to understand her character a bit more. Like why she was still wanting to be a part of this. She's like the conscience, isn't she? Like the conscience of, of, of the film. I mean, it, it is like irrepressibly male film it's it's such a there's so many men in it and (laughs) violence and kind of men asserting their authority in various different ways whether that be by playing the game with getting you know her on board as the technical necessity or with like physical violence or enacting violence upon men and their families so it's quite it's a really, really intense watch, I think. And yeah, it's just like thinking about it now, I'm just like, oh yeah, it's intense, man. There's this, there is kind of a subgenre which you could probably look up on IMDb of female-led enforcement agencies films. And we've had a couple here. We've had Zero Dark Thirty, as you talked about, uh, George, and also Silence of the Lambs, Clary Starling. Um it's Blue Steel as well. We've not had that, sadly. But, no. but I think, like, you know, each of those films, I mean, you know, Science of the Lambs especially, like, you're with Cleary Starling um, the whole way through. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I think it's even more kind of emotionally hollow in Sicario because it's, for Emily Blunt's character, it's like all for nothing. Um, 
and, and like at least in the other movies that you mentioned there's a little bit of catharsis um yeah. that you can feel to it um yeah the risk, yeah, risk of death is very guys. high isn't it for her like everywhere she goes there's like potential for her to be kidnapped or shot or tortured or all of them or nearly raped so i mean the other piece is that with those other films that the protagonists are kind of ahead of the or even if it's just only slightly ahead in kind of clarice's case she has the agency she knows what's going on she's trying to find the killer in 0.30 she's the main like the driving force through it all um i said it because i can't remember what the character's name is obviously um but in this one she's almost like a just an innocent bystander who almost is like a flying ointment for the for the guys who are trying to do the bad stuff in the killing and that's a, a really interesting position as well and even when she protests the main way that she could protest even though she finds out that once once she finds out that the only reason they can have it happen is because she's there the main way for her to protest is to leave and then they would have to kind of stop wouldn't they would have thought uh, but she but her oh, her own energy wants to bring it forward she wants to actually see what's happening because she has that kind of inbuilt like i must find out what's going on this uh to a character which is also quite um quite distinctive in this i think Josh Brolin. Any thoughts on him, guys? Flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> this is far cry from um, uh, Avengers. <laughs> from Thanos. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, the he has that kind of smarm to him that's like really disgusting and and vile and um, and you know. It, uh, the film's quite interesting in putting him against Benicio del Toro, um, who is really mysterious at first, and then later is sort of compared to Josh Brolin. Some of the other characters is sort of Emily Blunt's, you know, Kate, sorry, um, sort of goes to and and at one point he even rescues her, and then he turns out to be even worse, the worst of them all. Um, <laughs> And I think, you know, the ultimate theme of this movie is you cannot trust men in any context whatsoever. Yeah, just problems. I, I kind of, I always find him quite interesting as a character. Like in Men in Black 2, was it? Or Men in Black 3? Mm. Um, 3? We've had, we've had him in a... Go on, Helen. I wasn't... Oh, was it, I, was, was it? I was surprised, Charlotte. yeah. I was surprised that anyone's watched Men in Black 3, to be honest. That was my... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or cared to admit that they had... <laughs> It has uh, Jermaine Clement from Flights of the Concord in it as one of the bad guys, which is quite an interesting, uh, <laughs> it's quite an interesting twist. Um, well, I like Josh Brolin, but I don't know. Has he, has he kind of has he made that leading leading man step at the moment? Do you think? I mean, he's Strong kind of supporting, isn't he? Like, yeah. I mean, Old Boy was probably his main one where he was front and centre for the whole film. But I thought it was quite good here, and that he was just like a haggard, kind of drunk. CIA kind of guy who's um, just wants to get on doing what he's doing, right? I thought it's quite, I thought it's quite good, and I like the way he wears flip flops and didn't give a shit and just sleeping on the plane, not giving a toss, and yeah, fine. I like him in Dune. Uh, another Denis yeah. Villeneuve film. Yeah, Gurney Halleck. Uh, he's great in that, and Inherent Vice as well. That's that's an underrated performance, I think, out of his like filmography. I think he's he's a very um, lot. Of Got a lot of humour, comedy chops and that. Is there anything else you want to say, guys, before we head to the scores? I mean, I think it's probably worth talking probably about, like, the sequences we mentioned at the start sure. and, like, the cinematography. and Because it is a thing that I think everyone thinks about, um, 
the the bridge sequence and the kind of the nighttime sequence towards the end, um, which I uh, I'm kind of in two minds because I think it's technically kind of very effective, yeah. but I think it's my main problem with all of Denis Villeneuve's films that it's very pristine and very kind of it's you know almost every shot is a painting kind of look to it and I think a film like Sicario it probably should be a lot messier um a lot less immaculate than what Deacons does with um a lot of the shots in this um it was my same problem with I think like Blade Runner 2049 like mm. another Villeneuve film where you know the original one is very grungy and then 2049 is very like immaculate and clean and it's like I don't know it doesn't really feel like it suits the uh, what that film was going for. It's like when you um, touch something up in Photoshop and you go a bit too far with the filters. You like make it too, it's gone too shiny, too nice, and you can't go back then. You just have to do it all like that. I mean, it's still really gorgeous to look at. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's especially like all the night cam, um, you know, I don't know what you call it, like the thermal imagery and the yeah, yeah. night time. That, that's, that's incredible technically, but it, I don't know. I don't think it, I felt the film could be a lot, Dirtier, maybe the wrong word to use. Um, grittier. Grittier, grittier. There we go. Uh, one storyline I thought would be interesting to pull up on is the the police officer piece. And you see him interacting with this kid over a couple of days. And I was like, oh, this, I, I can't see this ending up well. <laughs> <laughs> Bleak. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my God, like I know where this is going. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that subplot is never ended in, like, they lived happily ever after, does it? Yeah. No. Like, get to know a kid in his family, get to know a guy in his family. Do, 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 do. Oh, he's going to die. That's what's going to happen. He's going <laughs> to he's gonna die. It's just how he's going to die. And he died harshly. Um, Benicio's, was that Benicio's first kill in this? Oh, no, he killed a guy who was trying to smuggle the drugs in the, um, just in the, in the tunnel as well. I mean, it's certainly not the character's first kill. Yeah, I was going to no, say, it's no, not at all. I mean, it's obviously a, a fictional story, but it there kind of feels like they probably researched quite a lot of different stories around different gang members and kind of pieced some of it together with adding a bit of creative license that, um, you know, it is particular areas of Mexico are extremely violent and then not really winning the war at all and it just seems to be getting out of control and on that cheery note uh should we head to the scores guys yes (laughs) hello i'm martin i'm sam and every week we get together on our podcast song by song to discuss the music of tom waits Uh, Waits is a writer, musician and performer. Uh, You might know him from his four decades of songs like uh, What's He Building In There, Downtown Train, Martha, Rain Dogs. Or you might have seen him in films like Dracula, uh, The Fisher King, uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, or if you made it that far, Licorice Pizza. We're joined every week by guests from various backgrounds and disciplines, and together we take a close listen to his work, analysing the topics and tones he uses in his music, and honestly engaging with one of the most interesting voices of his generation. Listen to our latest season or dive into our back catalogue by visiting songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish, and we'll start with you, please, Charlotte, with your recommendability recommendability i mean i kind of failed the first time around that was before i saw it (laughs) 
I'm going to go for four. I think it's got a lot of buy-in for people into crime, especially. A lot of buy-in from who? What do you mean? With you mean the, you're ignoring kind of your like friends real... who said no? <laughs> uh, there's a real market, though, for true crime, isn't there? Like, it's never been more popular. People are talking about all the mm. podcasts they listen to and that kind of thing. And I think there's something in this film, admittedly maybe a slightly colder, less personal touch than those podcasts, but it's so compelling that I would recommend it. George? Uh, I would probably have to go for a three. I am not a fan of like these sort of US militarism type films. Um, uh, but, you know, it's something that is... I feel like it's still very in vogue. Um, um, we still get more films like that. Um, so potentially could recommend. I think it's one of the better ones out of those, but it's not something that I would recommend to myself <laughs> or somebody who um, has a similar aversion to those type of like war movies. Oh, here's a question for you. There is um, the sequel to it, Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado, Jesus Soldado. Has anyone... Watch that or have any interest in watching no, that? No. It, <laughs> Sorry. I, 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 knew, I knew it was being made, but it the, the, the Blunt character doesn't exist at all and it's very much kind of an, an extension of Benicio de Toro's character. And I, I, yeah. I was just a bit like, Ooh, I'm not sure whether I want more of what, what he brings to the table. I went to the DVD launch for that. It was in Camden and a Mexican bar and there was a mariachi band and loads of food. And alcohol and Ooh. nothing to do with the film wow. at all. So I have never seen it because... <laughs> well, you had too much tequila? Why? It wasn't screened and I didn't get a copy of the DVD. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> but did you have a good time though? Oh, yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> was that in the in the market? Yeah, the restaurant was just off the market by the river. Okay. Canal, yeah. apologies. I was like, water. <laughs> <laughs> Buy some water. Yeah, I've not seen it. And again, I was like, um, maybe I'll watch it at some point. But also, yeah, if I don't. So, uh, Helen, your recommendability. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give it a solid four as well. I think if this is your bag, then you're probably going to really enjoy it. But as for all the kind of reasons that we've also discussed, it's not going to be for everyone. And it's not like one of those where you're like, oh, I think I'll watch Sicario. Have a nice night in. Watch a film, my love. It's not really got that vibe. <laughs> so I think if you're um, new to to Denny Villeneuve and you kind of like discovered him like with Dune or with Blade Runner and you want to go back and see what he was doing before, then I think you should absolutely watch it. But I think if you've probably had the chance to watch it and not watched it for various reasons, I'm not sure what might like convince you to do it, do otherwise. Do a double bill with prisoners and a real good time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these are no one's favourite films, are they? But I mean, it's come back with Blade Runner. I think a lot of people love Blade Runner 49. Some don't. A lot of people love Arrival. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Definitely one of my favourite films. I Not sure how often I'll rewatch it, though. My favourite. Also, that has some dark edges to it where you're kind of like, nah, no. Um, Dune, I think, is where he probably will get a really wide audience, I guess. Or has got a really wide audience. Yeah, people, people are waiting for the number two. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, that was all writer strike, actor strike nonsense, which has now been so sorted out, hasn't it? So I would imagine be first quarter next year. Anyway, I'm not a film scheduler. I'm going to go for, yeah, 3.6 on this. Um, yeah, definitely watch it. I think anytime 
Deakins is holding the camera, I think you should try and watch the film because it will be it will be pretty. But there are some bleakness in it, and also I think the plot—it's not convoluted, but it is complex. Um, and I think you have to be like ready to ready to watch it and tell people it. You know, get ready to get a bit involved in it uh, to get the most out of it. So three point six repeat viewing score, Charlotte. I hadn't seen this film since that infamous cinema visit, and that's one of the reasons I picked yeah. it for this is because I've been itching to rewatch it as I love Arrival with June coming up again. Um, I'm going to go for three for this. I will watch it again at some point, but it's not like I'm going to rush to go see it immediately. What were you hoping to get from this viewing that you, that you didn't get from the first one? What, from seeing it at the cinema? I think it was like kind of Helen touched upon, is it's got a really unique rhythm to it, that inaccessibility of plot, the kind of obscure. Once I was comfortable in that rhythm, I really embraced it watching it this time. Uh, George? Repeat viewing score. Uh, I think I probably have to give it, I'll be generous and give it a two. Um, <laughs> it's a film that I would happily never rewatch again. <laughs> um, partly because you know, it's not my kind of cup of tea anyway. Um, I do have problems with the film, but also just because it is, it is intended to be nasty and brutal. And mm. it's not something that makes me itching to kind of, Rewatch it, you know. I've seen it twice are, now. I think that's enough. <laughs> are there any? I mean, it's not. This isn't a war film, but it's kind of that kind of outlay, isn't it? Are there any kind of war films or these kind of films that people enjoy watching time and time again? Because yeah, I mean, I watched um, <laughs> I watched Dunkirk three times in cinemas, okay. um, which <laughs> is actually a film I do really love. Um, I don't hate all kind of war movies. Um, but I do think I kind of agree with that Truffaut quote, whatever he said about war movies, that all war movies, to some extent, are pro-war movies. Mm. Um, and sometimes I struggle with kind of the political context that the films are kind of operating within. So a lot of like older war movies with a lot of more distance, I find it easier to watch. But ones that are dealing with kind of the here and now, I'm like, I don't know. I can't. I, I find it harder to engage with. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, I can't think. I just I went straight to like Saving Private Ryan and I'm like, I've seen it twice. <laughs> well, I watch that again. I'm not sure what context I will do. Um, I can't imagine the person who watched like, watched, will watch like Schindler's List multiple times, even like Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, God. Um, even Zero Dark Thirty is a bit light in some places, but it's still massively like horrific and horrible in, in, in other places, right? So this I'm just trying Tropic to think if there's anything Thunder like that. I mean, that. <laughs> If so, Tropic Thunder would be my answer. <laughs> uh, repeat viewing score, Helen. So, yeah, likewise with you, Charlotte, I hadn't seen this since I definitely did see it at a cinema, even though I can't quite remember which one it was. And having seen his other films since then, and I was like, oh, maybe I need do need to give this another chance. So um, I was glad you picked it. And, yeah, likewise, I definitely got it more this time and having various things kind of like flash back in my memory I was like oh okay this is this is this makes a bit more sense now so I, th I think I don't know if I'm going to watch it again I find maybe I've got all that I've got out of it but for me it was really good for me to watch it again and I kind of came at it I got different things from it this time so I'm going to give it I'm going to give it 3.5 um, yeah, I'm going to go 
for two and a bit. I think I watch it every kind of 10 years. That kind of cadence. <laughs> exactly. Like in the diary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what's the date today? <laughs> 21st of November, as we record this. Twenty. So yeah, 2033, November, around Thanksgiving, Black Friday time, I might, I might pop this on waiting for my Black Friday deals to come through the post. Um, so you said 3.5, sorry, Helen. Helen? Yeah. I'll, I'll match on 3.5. I'll watch it again, but not not rush to it. Um, small screen score. Interesting one, this one going to be. Uh, Charlotte? I think I'm going to go for four for this. I think it still works. It's just oh, okay. not as impressive. George? Um, I'm going to have to go with a two. I think I probably would have got more out of this had I been able to watch it at a cinema um instead of spending half time very anxious about the volume <laughs> and how much it was affecting <laughs> my neighbors and stuff i still think it looked it looked uh, really really good but i think there's an element of it which it need demands your kind of total uh sort of sensory attention to it um that you can only get in a cinema i think to some extent okay so what was your score sorry two too. Helen. Yeah, so we, we've talked a little bit, but it's Johan Johansson. He also did Arrival and Prisoners as well, um, doing the score and the extremely like loud bits that seem to come out of nowhere and add to the unbearableness of the tension. So I think for kind of the audio, watching it on the big screen um, would obviously be preferred or, or with really good stereo. But, you know, that cosy cinema environment may invite you to a nap. So it's, it's, it's a risky... Uh, a risky thing to do maybe um so i i'm also going to give it a four uh obviously got more this time watching it because i could focus in a bit more but i think the the sound deserves to be seen heard big um i'm gonna go for three i know i fell asleep in the, in the cinema and talked about it i but i was really enjoying it there and i think it's a deacon's film it's it's great on the, it's great in the cinema and as helen said jojo uh his his um his scores are always on point. Um, and I think just the just to be kind of immersed in it in the cinema, I think, made more sense for me versus, um, you know, I was watching sometimes on the iPad and transferred to, to the big screen uh, later on in, in the day, uh, my TV, I mean. Um, so, and it's, yeah, I think the cinema is, is the place for this film, certainly. Three, engagement score. Charlotte? Five. I, I think of it as like the film four effect. If it was on film four, like at half nine, I'm channel hopping. I'm going to finish watching it. I have no doubt. Like I would with Goodfellas, anything like that. It will grip me from any sort of point in it, I think. Well, that's just how film four, they know what to do, don't they? They know how to uh, select films for people. Yeah. Uh, George? I go for a four. I think it's uh, a film that it's like a car crash in a good way. Well, in a technically good way. Um, hmm. You know, it is a film which it's <laughs> it's. <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to kind of be nice to the film, but also, uh, you know, it's not my kind of film, but it's a film that is very gripping, and you you can't like look away from sort of the horrors it presents, and it presents it very early on, and it only gets kind of worse from there. So. Yeah, I would not be able to kind of switch it off, but I probably wouldn't want to switch it on in the first place. <laughs> um, Helen? Yeah, so you, you need to pay attention, otherwise you're going to be like completely lost because you're not going to know why she's being shot by someone who's meant to be on her own team. Like stuff like that, you're like, what just happened? And I don't think I'd really 
understood what had happened um first time watching it and i also kind of had to reread the wikipedia page after to make sure that i got everything because it's just a bit like okay so that was what it's like oh okay yeah so um i think yeah i think i'll actually go for for a, a five as well because yeah you do need to pay attention you can't be do it checking your emails at the same time once you just won't know what's going on yeah i'm gonna go for 4.5 um I might check the Wikipedia page after this episode and recording, actually, just to check where I'm at uh, to make sure I did understand everything. And that gives an overall score of 3.63125. Decent. Uh, sorry, hold on. Did we get any, we get any tweets? Uh, we didn't, I'm afraid. But would you like to play higher or lower with the other films of Denny Villeneuve that we've reviewed so far? <laughs> yeah, sure. So we we've done Blade Runner, Prisoners, and Arrival. Um, does anyone want to kind of guess where they think this this falls in the uh, in the in the lineup we've got? Lower than Arrival. Yeah, lower than Arrival, and I'd probably say lower than Blade Runner, but yeah. maybe above Prisoners. Oh, so you you got it right. Or- so Arri- Arrival is the top with four point three seven. And then we've got Prisoners with 3.93. And then we've got this with, what was that, 3.63? Yeah. So Blade Runner was 3.62, which I can only guess that the small screen for that was Mm. very, very low. And we all went, this needs to be seen on the big screen. So it comes in between Blade Runner. I'll give you the exact scores of Blade Runner. So recommendability overall 3.875. Repeat viewing was quite low at 3.275. Small screen score, low, 3.1 overall. And engagement was was pretty high, 4.2. So it was, yeah, people don't want to watch it again and people want to watch it in the cinema uh, screen. So, yeah. I I mean, I enjoyed Blade Runner 2049 more on uh, rewatch. So, yeah. So we're wrong, is what you're saying. (laughs) I mean, uh, incomparability with Sicario, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Charlotte, George, can you tell us where we can find you guys online and uh, say goodbye to the listeners? Uh, you can find me at Sometimes Movies on Twitter and on Instagram. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me at uh, G underscore Woody um, on uh, the site formerly known as Twitter. It's still known as Twitter. It will always be known as Twitter. Guys, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk about bodies and cavities. Uh, No, sorry, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them FlixWatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.